You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. It's 11 o'clock at night. It's dark. You're sitting in front of the mirror getting ready for bed. There's nobody else in the house. You see something move in the corner of your eye. You glance to your right, but you don't see anything. Another minute goes by, and you think you see movement again. So you slowly turn to your left, but again, the room is empty. You turn back around, and staring you face to face in the mirror is a cat. You jump back, because you don't have a cat, and there's no cat in the room. But there he is, staring at you in the mirror. Welcome to Paranormal Pets, where you can always expect the unexpected. Each week, we'll discuss all aspects of weird or spiritual animal encounters, ghosts, totems, psychic animals, animal souls, animal angels, and animals in religion, with a little cryptozoology thrown in. Now, step into the supernatural world of pets with your Paranormal Pets ghostly host, Dusty Rainbolt. Welcome to Paranormal Pets on Pet Life Radio, where the unexpected is expected and strange animals are the norm. I'm Dusty Rainbolt, your guide into the unknown. Thanks for beaming up. Our guest today is famed Bigfoot researcher Joe Biscardi of Searching for Bigfoot, Inc. You may recall a recent edition of Bizarre Animal News in which we discussed an elaborate Bigfoot hoax pulled off by a couple of now ex-cops in Georgia. Well, unfortunately, Joe Biscardi was the butt of the joke, and he ain't laughing. We'll be talking to him about how he got sucked into their little gag in a while. Right now, it's time for Bizarre Animal News. A September 28th article published at the PressRepublican.com reported that a summer expedition to Lake Champlain's Button Bay to find the elusive champ yielded zip. Except for the promise of another hunt next year and another champ-shaped boost to the local economy. Lake Champlain is a natural lake that borders Vermont and New York. The 2008 expedition was plagued with all kinds of problems that you'd normally associate with a ghost hunt. Malfunctioning cameras and cell phones. However, since Champ was a no-show, no big loss. Expedition organizer Ruby Anderson of Nagatuck, Connecticut said, They'll be back next year. Anderson experienced her own sighting of Champ in Button Bay in 2001, and last year numerous sources experienced appearances in the bay. No one knows exactly what the Champlain Freshwater Leviathan is, but theories range from a pleosaur to a really big fish. There's chatter about the lake containing a breeding school, or whatever you call a gang of champs. In other news, storm forecasters with the National Weather Service in Sullivan, Wisconsin, are scratching their heads and asking, what the duck? And by the way, that's duck with a D. On September 30th, radar picked up a large expanding ring similar to a cigarette smoke ring for over 20 minutes. The station in Davenport, Iowa also reported similar images. The Sullivan office experienced a short repeat performance the following day. Now for you UFO buffs, we may not have to greet E.T. with a no-smoking sign. Chris Franks, a meteorologist at the National Weather Service office, suspects that the bogeys were actually a flock of geese. A past president of the Wisconsin Ornithological Society called the radar images roost rings and said the larger rings were likely caused by blackbirds, while the smaller ones were probably geese. 
Forecasters in the other regions have witnessed similar images by colonies of bats leaving their cave, swarms of insects, and even smoke from large fires. But UFO researchers consider the roost ring theory a load of bird stuff, leaning toward the belief that images are either UFOs or advanced military technology. Well, that's it for today's Bizarre Animal News. We'll be right back with Bigfoot hunter Tom Biscardi right after these messages. Now, time for something really scary. A word from our sponsors. Paranormal pets will reappear before you can say Bigfoot. Don't run away. Do you love your dog? Then you'll love feeding him mouth-watering, all-natural treats, lovingly handmade by a professional caterer who wanted the very best for her dogs. Make no mistake about it, these are not ordinary dog treats. These are doggy delights, like breakfast banana biscotti, honey bear peanut butter balls, yummy apple cinnamon mini cakes, and so much more. Your dog will howl in delight. And now you can get a scrumptious sample pack by going to dingersdogtreats.com. It's a $25 value, yours for just $9.95 through this special radio offer. That's D-I-N-G-E-R-S, dingersdogtreats.com. Every one of these gourmet doggy treats is handmade from the finest ingredients and taste tested on our own dogs. Your dog will love them. Get $25 worth of doggy delights now for just $9.95. Go to dingersdogtreats.com now. That's D-I-N-G-E-R-S, dingersdogtreats.com. Yum. Pick up something unique at a Bone to Pick dog boutique. A Bone to Pick has cool hip fashions for big and small dogs that will have their tails wagging in style. Cat products too. A-B-O-N-E-T-O-P-I-C-K.com. Check out our eco-friendly pet products and gifts for humans too. A-B-O-N-E-T-O-P-I-C-K.com. Get your pet's mouth watering monthly with our Gourmet Treat of the Month Club. And join a Bone to Pick's free birthday club for your puppy. A-B-O-N-E dash to dash p-i-c-k dot com pick up something special for your best friend at a bone to pick a-b-o-n-e dash t-o dash p-i-c-k dot com get 10% off with coupon code petlife pets can be a wonderful addition to your life keeping them healthy and happy is important pet life radio presents the pet doctor with veterinary media consultant and veterinarian dr bernadine cruz Whether you have a dog, cat, reptile, or rabbit, you'll find answers for your pets straight from the vets. The Pet Doctor, on demand every week, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. you hear that? Our commercials have mysteriously disappeared. Paranormal Pets is back with our haunted host, our ghost host, Dusty Rainbolt. Welcome back to Paranormal Pets on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Dusty Rainbolt. Thanks for tuning in. At Paranormal Pets, we're interested in more than just Fluffy and Rover. We want to know about extraordinary creatures of all ilk. Now, the search for Bigfoot has been in the news a lot lately. 
Today's guest, Tom Viscardi, has been researching and searching for Bigfoot since the early 1970s. Tom owns and operates Searching for Bigfoot, Inc. and SearchingForBigfoot.com, as well as having the radio program BigfootLiveRadioShow.com. Now, you'll recall recently a couple of yahoos from Georgia, a cop named Matthew Whitten and a used car salesman, Ricky Dyer, raised the hopes of the cryptozoology community when they claimed to have found the remains of Bigfoot somewhere in Georgia. With the creatures supposedly on ice, they contacted Mr. Biscardi, our guest, and promising both the world and Mr. Biscardi they would have definitive proof of the existence of Sasquatch. Unfortunately, Mr. Biscardi didn't have a chance to kick the tires and wound up buying a load of pig poop, literally. Tom, welcome to Paranormal Pets. Wish you were here for something we could celebrate. What the heck happened? First of all, Dusty, thanks so much for having me, number one. Uh, and secondly, I'd like, like to let your audience know that uh, I haven't really come forward yet because we're working on a documentary and a piece that's going to be coming out and be released here in the next uh, four weeks that's going to be the most definitive and outlining exactly what happened from the time that uh, my boys hit Georgia to accept the body in, in the freezer, the soap so-called Bigfoot body in the freezer, and uh, bring it to the safe house, per our contract stated, to start the dissection by the scientists that I had picked out, also by the contract uh, that was agreed upon between these two yahoos, so well put as you did at the beginning of your show. Believe it or not, as, as a matter of fact, I got some news for you. The uh, Captain McGann of the Clayton Police Department called this morning and got all of our commentary and stories from all of my guys who were down there and myself on what happened, including one of the investors who turned over the $50,000 in cash to these guys and is forwarding it on to the DA for further prosecution to uh, pursue uh, criminal charges against these two clowns. And hopefully we'll be seeing them behind bars and uh, getting judgments against them civilly. Now, Mr. Whitten has already been dismissed from his job as a police officer, hasn't he? That's correct. And, you know, that's the ironic thing, Dusty, and it just kills me to no end. When these two guys had gone publicly on uh, Squatch Detective Radio back in the last part of, of uh, July, and Steve had taunted them onto coming on the air publicly because, you know, the whole Bigfoot world was tipsy-turvy on not whether, whether to believe these guys or not because they were so convincing. And here we got one guy that took one for the team. What I mean by that, he was pursuing a felon, and the felon shot him in his hand. And then he was out on leave, on administrative paid leave, kind of like a hero when they got this guy. You know, it was a, mm. And then the other one, you called him so appropriately a, a used car salesman, but prior to that, he was a correctionals officer. So, believe it or not, there was some credibility given to both of these guys, even though they were as cocky as hell as they were, and they came across telling the world that, they, you know, we're the world's best Bigfoot trackers because we've got one of these creatures. To make a long story short, they were on this show, just like yourselves, and uh, Steve had talked to them and says, hey, well, can any of our team come down and see what you, and verify what you've got? And at that point in time, they says, well, we'll let the real Bigfoot hunter, Tom Biscardi, come down. After the show, Steve called me with the contact names and numbers of these guys. And I called him, and I said, look, 
I says, I'd like to have you on my show, which Steve's show was on Monday. I talked to him on Tuesday, and Wednesday was the day I had them on my show. I wanted my audience to hear it also. At that point in time, I posed the question to him, or they opposed the question. I opposed the question to them, can somebody come out and see the body? And they said, yeah, we want you to come out. I replied instantaneously, I'll be there tomorrow. Well, so yeah. It was, <laughs> yeah. Wednesday, Thursday, I'm on the plane. Now, as I'm on the plane, mind you, I'm thinking to myself, boy, I've got to be a blooming idiot, and I'll tell you the reason why. Here it is, a four-and-a-half-hour flight. Flight is late, going to be about an hour and a half even longer because of the turbulence and the, the weather situation. And I'm thinking to myself, will these guys even be there to pick me up as agreed, number one? Number two, uh, what happens if the phone number I call is a bogus phone number and I make this whole trip for nothing, you know what I mean? As I land, so you were already thinking it might be a hoax. Well, no, I was already thinking that I'm the idiot here because here I accept their invitation and it's my dime, not theirs. And I fly out there on a whim, which I kind of do all the time anyway. When people, you know, if I, if I find out that they're totally legit, I'll send my boys out on myself to, out to uh, to the location if it's a hot spot. But this thing has made you know such. Uh, noise all over the world that everybody is talking about it, but nobody's going out doing anything about it. So I, I accepted their invitation. <clears throat> Lo and behold, I get there, and there they are. Here it is, storming, lightning, and, and raining, and they waited the extra hour and a half. I'm saying to myself, well, two, two points for these guys. Then they were worried about making sure that I got the right kind of hotel, not a flop house, and made sure I had some dinner. And, and we talked for about an hour and a half, and... and Everything they said made so much sense, and, and, and they knew the right words, Dusty, if you know what I'm talking about. Well, I've heard that if you tell a lie convincingly enough, you can get away with it. It looks like there they do. There you go. Okay. So, well, let me, I, I'm, I'm building up to that. So, so listen, you want to know the story? You're the first one that's going to know it now and be able to hear it. You heard it that's, first here, folks. <laughs> that's right. So now what happened is they, we agreed to meet the next morning at 11.15, they were late. They showed up at 11.45 with one of these baggies in hand and said, here is a sample that we took off to the intestines of the body. We want you to get the DNA on it. I says, holy damn, man, can you believe this? These guys are straight up. I never even solicited you know, from them. And here they are offering it to me. And I says, I'll take care of it. <clears throat> and at that point in time, we had discussed... Uh, to get to know each other. The Italians call it dusty breaking bread, okay? So uh, I took them out. We had a meal, and we talked about their encounter and how the whole thing came about. And, and I told them, I says, look, uh, you know, if you want me to get involved, I'll be more than happy to, but at the same point in time, I don't do nothing without a contract. Now, this is a major, major thing. Now, anyway, because uh, I'm going to read parts of this contract to you, verbatim, all right? In this contract, there's a preface, Dusty. The preface reads, I'm going to read it to you exactly how it's written. It is hereby stipulated, agreed, and understood by all parties herein that Searching for Bigfoot, Inc., SFBI, C. Thomas Biscardi, its directors, officers, agents, and employees had no part in any way whatsoever in BigfootTracker.com, Rick Dyer, and Matt Witten, in the procurement of the body of the creature of unknown origin, currently known as the Rick Matt creature. 
how it was procured, nor how it met its demise, where it was discovered, nor where it is currently being stored. SFBI came into contact with Rick Dyer and Matt Witten through Steve Culls, the squash detective, for the purpose of scientific study, marketing, and promotion of the Rick Matt creature. The reason why I'm reading that preface to you, and this thing was signed and uh, uh, witnessed by these two clowns, because now they're going out there stating, oh, well, we went and built this costume for Tom Biscardi. (laughs) I mean, these clowns are just what they are, clowns. Because here is a contract stating that we have no idea where they procured this body, where it met its demise, where it's being kept stored, the whole nine yards. They signed this, but yet they go out publicly and going out and saying just the opposite of what the things that they've signed let alone what they've told the world that <laughs> we're the world's best Bigfoot trackers in the world, and we've got proof we've got this body, okay? So, well, listen, I, I hate to interrupt you, but our sponsors need to get a word in edgewise. So if you can hold that thought, we'll be right back with Tom Biscardi in just a moment. Now, time for something really scary. A word from our sponsors. Paranormal pets will reappear before you can say Bigfoot. Don't run away. Greetings, human. What planet am I on? Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in paparazzi, candid pictures of you and your pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No. To my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. Attention passengers, please fasten your seatbelts, put your seatbacks and sleeping pets in their full upright position, and prepare for takeoff. Pet Life Radio presents Travel Tales, the show where you'll get great travel ideas on perfect places for you and your pet. From Paris to paradise, south of the border to the South Seas, Travel Tales will give you cool tips on fun vacation destinations to travel with your pet, pet-friendly hotels, and advice on how to travel safely and happily with your furry best friends. So, get ready to pack the bags and the bones with your Travel Tales hosts, Susan Sims and Nicholas Veslowski, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Did you hear that? Our commercials have mysteriously disappeared. Paranormal Pets is back with our haunted host, our ghost host, Dusty Rainbolt. 
Welcome back to Paranormal Pets on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Dusty Rainbolt, and today's guest is Bigfoot researcher Tom Biscardi. Okay, hate to interrupt you, but go back to where we were. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) All right. So at that point in time, we had uh, put everything down in contract form. I had called my son in from Kentucky to take the DNA sample to, I wasn't going to, there's no way I was going to rely on the mail or UPS or anything else. I had him come in from Kentucky. He met me the, uh, the next night and two of my other boys from uh, Georgia or Alabama because they were going to take us out to the area where this thing met its demise. So we waited that next night. They never showed up. Uh, I had my boys there. So I figured, well, okay, at least we got the DNA sample. And now I'm going to send it up to the University of Minnesota where Kurt Nelson, who's done DNA for... Monster Quest and the Discovery Channel will give us some clue of what we got here. My son took it, took me to the airport the next morning. The guys left back to go back to uh, Alabama and Georgia, where they were from, and and, uh, he dropped me off at the airport. He then went to uh, Kentucky, in which another guy was picking up the sampling and and driving it directly to Kirk Nelson up at the Minnesota University, University of Minnesota which was done the following day because he drove straight through. That's how important this was to us all. And I came back to California. During the week, I called Dyer and Witten from my attorney's office to put this contract together, see what they were supposed to do and what we were supposed to do. I was to uh, assemble the scientific team that was going to dissect this this body. As a matter of fact, what I'll do, I'll, I'll read some of the the bullet lines, okay? Uh, SFBI will provide a safe house for the Rickmat creature. SFBI will provide transportation of the Rickmat creature to and from the safe house. SFBI will provide around-the-clock, seven days a week security while the Rickmat creature is under their possession, custody, and control. SFBI will provide for a scientific team selected by C. Thomas Biscardi to study the Danmat creature. SFBI will provide for around-the-clock, seven days a week, filming of all scientific study of the Danmat or the Rickmat creature. Uh, SFBI will negotiate and facilitate all media, press releases, progress reports, and public relations. So what I'm trying to bring out and let you know, Dusty, besides your audience, that this thing was in contract form, okay? It was under contract. So this wasn't no game, okay? This is how we make our living. This is what we do. We go out and research Bigfoot. And here we all thought, Eureka, we've got something, okay? Now they said, okay, you got the contract. Come on out. We're going to show you the body, and we're going to bring you to the area where it met its demise. Well, I get out there on Saturday, and, of course, here at, uh, the, they taunt me with some pictures, you know, and, 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 and teasing me in the head. What do you think of this? What do you, and they're always looking over their shoulders because they kept telling me that the government, they had death threats and uh, somebody was going to, come and take the body from them, and yada, yada, yada. Knowing now what we know today, it was all a bunch of baloney. So, uh, and it's getting more and more intriguing, to say the least. No doubt, yeah. Yeah. So now they take me on a three-hour drive to where this body met its demise, or this creature met its demise, and then we, besides the drive, we've got an hour's hike out into the brush, and showing where they, six of them, dragged this thing for a day and a half out of this brush, which then met the tow truck to take it 
take the body and, and bring it back into where they had it in the, in the freezer. So I'm saying to myself, my God, I can't. I said, well, it's feasible. It could have been done, especially where the terrain was in this north part of Georgia where this, this thing. And now the, you got to understand something. They said that they shot the thing, but they didn't want anybody to know that it was shot. Okay, in the beginning of their YouTube videos, they used to show this 30 odd six bullet. And I said, are you sure? Because, you know, let me tell you something. The world's not going to really go for this. He says, no, 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 no. We found it dead. You know, they changed their story. I says, okay. So then they said, I said, when am I going to see the body? They said, well, it has to be all past 1130 tonight because in front of the place where we got the body, there's a church, and the church gets out at 11, and we don't want them to know what we're doing. So here it is. They, they bring me to the area, speeding 70 miles an hour in a, in a 25 and 30 mile an hour residential zone. Squealing Good cops. <laughs> Unbelievable, man. I mean, you know, I, I mean, this was made for TV, okay, Dusty? So then we get there. All of a sudden, this guy comes out with a hat past his eyes and, and with an Uzi in his hand wanting to kill us, kill me anyway, because he didn't recognize the, the car. And the guy said, no, 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 he's with us, he's with us. I said, who the hell is that nut? And he says, he's one of the guys that uh, helped us take the body out. So now they're, they're telling us that, or telling me at the time, because I was the only one there, that this is the third freezer that they had to buy because uh, it iced up. And I'm saying to myself, why the hell do you ice a freezer up in today's time when they're all frost-free, you know? So uh, apparently they didn't know any better, and they kept buying ice and putting it on top of the body. That's what they told me. And uh, uh, it would freeze up because this whole body was encased in this big block of ice, whether it was 1,800 or 2,000 pounds. We really didn't know. But the body was put strategically in that ice place that you could see the head and the eyes and the teeth and the tongue to where it was faced against the back wall of the freezer, against it higher up, and the where the stomach was placed, where the intestines were on top, so it was closer to the surface. For when it did melt, that would be the first things that you would see and you can touch and prod. And that's what I had done, because I told them that I want to touch it and see that it's real. Well, what I did touch was real. The eyes were real, there were real teeth, real tongue, and when I, when I touched the face, it was real jawbone. And then the intestines that I touched were real, where they supposedly got the swatch for the DNA sample, but then they closed it right away, okay? And there was no lights, and conveniently, nobody had a flashlight, okay? So wow. at, that, at that point in time, they had taken me back, and, and I convinced that it was something, that was real. But now it started to change the story. They kind of left me and they got into a fight, the two of them. And the fight began by, well, you know, if we transfer this body to you next Thursday for what the contract states, how do we know we're ever going to get any money for this thing? This thing could be worth $100 million. Well, here's the deal. You're going to have to give us 50000 in cash because after you take it, we may ne never see a dime from it or from you again. And... We want the next day to tell the world what we found. So you're going to have to get us a, a, a press conference. And I said, well, why can't we wait till we get all the DNA back? Because the first part of the DNA that came back, Dusty, was promising. And uh, it was segments, and then they had to do the sequencing. The segments were human chimp, okay, like from a primate. 
So we didn't get the the uh, sequencing back yet. Where did they get that? Where did they get human primate DNA? I have no idea. And you know what? Well, I don't put nothing past these clowns neither. But nevertheless, I could have been bought, you know, uh, blood from their own finger, you know, and and I wouldn't put it past them neither. So they said, okay, I agree. I'll do that. So I send my team out. These guys are all on my payroll. Right. Now, plus the expenses to get them there and, and, and go to the safe house and all the other crap. And of course, one of my investors, and I, and I told them, I said, do not release the funds, the cash, and get the signed you know, transfer of the body unless you definitely are certain that we've got the real deal. Now, this was on Thursday night. Now they've got two helicopters hovering over where the body was, and they take only two of my guys, and they do the same thing with them, bring them in different ways and uh, uh, speeding around the residential areas. And one of my guys says, well, you know, we, we can't do this because we can't get the scene. It's encased in this ice. So Rick Dyer takes a sledgehammer and starts beating on the ice and says, well, I'll get it out of there for you. I mean, this is how convincing these clowns were, okay? Wow. And then my, my investors, wait a minute, wait a minute, we don't want you to destroy you know, I don't have any biohazards here or anything like that because here we are thinking that it's the real deal, okay? And we don't want it, you know, to be destroyed in any way. So, uh, and then these helicopters are, are hovering over, these police helicopters, and we're thinking, oh, my God, you know, because uh, they're saying that they've had a bunch of offers and the Chinese wanted it and yada, yada, yada. Now, this is all going through my guys' heads. So my guys call me, and I said, we're here. And I says, are you sure? Are you confident it's the real deal? Well, Tom, if it's not, we, 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 saw, we saw the tongue. We saw the, the eyes. We saw the teeth. We saw the intestines. It's like nothing we've never seen before. And with all this melodrama going around, it, it, it's got to be real, okay? So that's around 6 o'clock Thursday night. The next morning at 6.30, they're on the plane to come out to California because I had to pick them up for the press conference. So nevertheless, they come here, they give the, the press conference, and they're convincing all the press and the media and everybody else and myself. That night, I take them to dinner. I get a call from a costume maker saying, Tom, you're a straight-up guy. Don't give these guys any money. I said, it's already been done. Why? My uh-huh. friend made the suit. I said, really? These clowns are in front of me. Tell them. So I, I passed the phone to him. At that point in time, we hang up with the guy. I said, you look at me in my eyes. And I said, you, you, you swear to me on the eyes of your mother and your children, that what you gave me and we haven't encased in ice is the real deal. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's real, it's real. I excuse myself, I go to the bathroom, I call my guys in Indiana, I says, put the turbo heater on that block of ice and by the feet and let me know what we got. Three o'clock in the morning, they call me, they had a rubber foot. Uh. I go to see them, I wake them up, I says, come down, I need to talk to you now. They come downstairs at that point in time, I says, I melted the ice. you have anything to tell me? They says, well, what do, you, what do we do now? I says, what you do is you give me my 50000 you make a public apology, and I says, we don't do nothing. You get out of my life, and I never want to see you again. Oh, my gosh. Make a long story short, that's what happened. My guys then that uh, melted the ice, they proceeded, and they got four different bodies, body parts from other animals. The eyes were from a, a, a bull, the teeth and tongue were from a donkey. Cheekbone was from a, a pig. The intestines were from a pig and a possum. An entire 220-pound pig's body parts were in the suit. 
There were bones in the suit. That's how macabre and sick these people were. That's just, you know, it's horrible what they did to you, but there's also a world of people out there that were holding their breath, hoping that this would be the real deal, as you put it. And Believe me, I mean, this was, we were coming down to the finish line, especially after all these years for myself. And I was saying, oh, thank you, God. You know, we finally came down and we've got one now. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) This is, uh, it broke our hearts, I'll tell you that. And I know it broke a lot of hearts of people around this world. But remember one thing, there was only one person and one true Bigfoot outfit or organization that went out to uncover this thing. That's right. Well, listen, I'm afraid we're running out of time, but as I recall, one of your famed quotes is, there are two kinds of people, one who finds a way and one who finds an excuse. And I think I'd like to add a third one to that, if I could. Uh, There are those who stand in the way. So, you know, let's hope everybody gets out of your way. I have no doubt that one of these days I'm going to be interviewing you and you're going to be telling me about some amazing DNA results that you just heard from the University of Minnesota. Now, is there anything else you want to tell our listeners about what you do, how they can contact you? Sure, Ken. Keep, and keep posted, everybody, to uh, searchingforbigfoot.com. Okay. Our website is, is updated daily, uh, new things going on. This hasn't stopped us. All this done has gotten us more, <laughs> more fortitude to go back and get out there and, and, and really find this thing in a diligent, more professional manner than we've done. And I'll tell you what, you're right. If anybody does bring one of these things back, i.e. dead, alive, or, or uh, samples of, it'll be myself and my team. And I want to thank you so much, Dusty, for having us on your show and program. And, and uh, I'm sure it'll be another time down the line. Well, I look forward to that. Thank you, Tom Biscardi, for taking the time to tell us your side of the story. I know everything is going to work out. But now it's time for our Haunted Travel Guide. This week, we're steaming to Washington State and the Tokeland Hotel. Located in the seaside village of Tokeland and built in 1886, the Tokeland Hotel is the oldest resort hotel in Washington State. Out in the middle of nowhere, it's a perfect place to get away from it all. The hotel sits on the Tokeland Peninsula, right on the bay. Now guests can relax surrounded by turn-of-the-century charm. And just off the hotel's lobby, a moose head dominates the mandolin brick fireplace. Those glowing embers are so warm and inviting, they might even entice a feline back from the dead. Hotel owner Scott White said he's heard reports of a ghost cat and a 10-year-old boy named Albert. When Scott and Catherine White bought the property in 1990, it came complete with a hotel cat, a feral orange tabby they named Mama Kitty. Scott was able to befriend Mama Kitty as much as one can befriend any feral cat. They fed her well and she kept the mouse population down. It worked out real well for a while. Then when Mama Kitty was 15 years old, she simply disappeared. A short time later, Scott began receiving reports of a cat in room three. Although Scott has never experienced the hotel's ghost cat personally, he's heard from numerous different guests that an orange cat sometimes appears in that particular room. Guests have been awakened in the middle of the night by the distinct sensation of a cat landing at the foot of the bed, then walking over and laying down next to him. None of the guests were ever frightened by it. Scott believes that the 10-year-old boy's ghost and Mama Kitty are the hotel's protectors. They've even scared off people who were trying to vandalize the building. Appropriately for a hotel visited by cat spirits, living pets are also welcome. 
You can get more information about the Tokeland Hotel at tokelandhotel.com. Well, it looks like we're already out of time. I'd like to thank my guest, Tom Biscardi. And of course, I'd like to thank you, my audience, for joining us. Pick up a copy of my award-winning book, Ghost Cats, Human Encounters with Feline Spirits. You can also check out my website, dustyrainbolt.com. And if you're having behavior problems with your own kitties, pick up a copy of my latest book, Cat Wrangling Made Easy. And you can also look at my advice column, Ask Einstein, at stickypaws.com for free. Finally, if you have a story about a paranormal pet, an animal haunting, a real Bigfoot encounter, or have visited a hotel or public place that's haunted by an animal, you can contact me at dusty at petliferadio.com. Thanks for listening, and may you always be in good spirits. Pet Life Radio presents Paranormal Pets, where you can always expect the unexpected. Each week we'll discuss all aspects of weird or spiritual animal encounters, ghosts, totems, psychic animals, animal souls, animal angels, and animals in religion, with a little cryptozoology thrown in. Step into the supernatural world of pets with your Paranormal Pets ghostly host, Dusty Rainbolt, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs>